Blog Talk Radio. Aloha and welcome to Spiritual Journey with your host, Hawaii Psychic Geraldine St. Joseph. Today we're coming to you from Overland Park, Kansas. On our trek across the United States, uh, we're about halfway there. I have, I don't know, maybe six more states to go. So I wanted to talk to you guys today about karma. What does that mean? What is it? Do we have it? How does it work? It's a word that we throw around quite a bit. Uh, We use it to mean, often we use it in a derogatory sense, like, oh, you know, if he got in a car accident, that was his karma, or something bad that's happening, oh, that's your karma. The actual sense of the word means action. It is in the Buddhist and Hindu traditions, and um, a form of karma is also mentioned in the Bible. So most traditions worldwide will have some kind of justice needed out um, for people's actions. Basically, in the Buddhist tradition, uh, which I believe is probably the um, strongest or best example, in my opinion, karma means that your intention is what is important, your intention. So uh, we all know that phrase, that the road to hell is, is uh, paved with good intentions. Well, it's not really true, I guess, to a certain extent. Your intention, if your intention is to hurt someone or to be judgmental, to cause them any type of pain, then your intention has created karma. Even if you do not carry out what you're thinking about, the action of the thought, having the thought, having the intention to cause someone harm creates what's called a karmic seed in your mind, and that will fester there, and it will come back on you at some point. Karma, some people believe that karma is lifetime to lifetime. That is not necessarily so. Although instant karma is rare, it does happen, and there's also karma within a lifetime. Karma is not inescapable. You can, uh, I mean, some people look at it as like a point system, like, um, okay, so you're me to your little brother. Uh, you locked him in his bedroom until he started crying when you were a little kid. So maybe you have like five karma points for that. The next day you go to school and you see somebody bullying him and you stand up for him and protect him and you tell him that you love him and you don't want him to be hurt, that will negate those karma points with dharma, which is good works. The word karma itself means action. But it has, it carries so much weight and means so many things and is so multi-layered that the word action the English word action doesn't really fulfill what the term means completely. It can't carry the weight. So we look at karma and we think of karma as lessons. Karma is trying to teach us. Are you all listening? The point of karma and what it's trying to teach is that we are all one. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. My brother's pain is my pain. 
as you judge, so ye be judged. Why do you complain about the splinter in your neighbor's eye when you have a log in your own? We are all reflections of one another. And if we are suffering and in pain, the best way to negate that or to deal with that is to help others going through a similar situation to come out of that situation also. So by doing good works and by helping others and by being empathetic, this is the point. It's just like when, now this is so funny, we've been talking about uh, disciplining children. I've been talking to several different people about these things. And in our generation, I'm in my 40s, you know, if I bit somebody, my mom grabbed my arm and bit me. Not so hard that I bled or anything, but hard enough that I knew I was getting bit. The reason you did this, or if you smacked your brother, you got smacked back, is so that you knew what it was like when someone else did this. So that you wouldn't do it to somebody else. Well, karma kind of teaches in the same way. If you're going to be nasty to someone, then somebody else is going to be nasty to you so you can see how that feels. Instant karma kind of works like this. When uh, in 1990, I bought a brand new Acura Integra LS. I love that car. It was an awesome car. Had not even signed a paperwork for it yet. Had it parked on my corner and some schmo hit it, left a nice dent in the passenger side, rear door. Brand new car. Didn't leave a note. Didn't stop. Nothing. Um, Some of my neighbors knew who did it. And what was interesting was a week later, I mean, the the dent in my door was, uh, you could see it, but it it didn't affect the door. The door could still open and close and that kind of thing. So I'm not one who's into looks. So I didn't really take it to heart too much. I figured, hey, it's christened. I don't have to worry about it now. But the person who did it uh, was seen a couple weeks later and the truck with which he had hit my car, the whole side of it was just a, apparently a, a bigger truck had come in and taken out the whole passenger side of the truck and just, like, obliterated it. Well, that's instant karma. Karma is about intention. It's about how – it's not about what cards you're dealt. It's how you deal with the hand you have. I love the saying that suffering is inevitable, or pain is inevitable, I'm sorry. Pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. You can choose to be in misery. You can choose to suffer. You can choose to think about things to the point of making yourself sick, or you can choose to learn what other lesson is and move on. I know for most people it's not that simple, but it is that simple. It's not that easy. You need to really train your mind to go with the positive instead of the negative. And so many of us have the habit of always going to the negative. And when somebody tries to show us the positive, you get a but, but, but kind of a, a sense, which really isn't necessary. 
and doesn't serve us at all. You can be prepared for the worst, but hope for the best. Oftentimes, people treat you the way you expect to be treated. I've been on the subway in New York City, and people offer me a seat. I hear this is fairly unheard of. Well, I expect men to be gentlemen and to offer me a seat. I don't walk up to them and stare at them until they offer me a seat. I just, you know, walk onto the subway. I stand there, and then generally there's a few people who will get up and say, would you like to sit? I smile when I walk down the street. I make eye contact with the people I meet. And 95% of them or so, no matter where I am in the country, will smile back. Smiles are contagious. Positive emotion is infectious. So is negative emotion. What are you going to put out? What kind of virus are you going to set on the world? Are you going to set a virus that's going to kill everybody, where everybody's going to just go get lower and lower, and it's like, oh, God, nobody wants to be near you because you're you're just bringing everybody down and everything's falling on top of you, where you're complaining all the time and how much worse could your life possibly be? Or are you going to set a virus on the world that is of happiness and joy? like children often do, with their infectious laughter. And their, I'm not going to say innocence, because I don't know how innocent kids are anymore, even as toddlers, so the things that come out with you, just like, what? But there's a spark of life there that really helps to lift up everyone and everything around them. So karma is created not just by actions. It is created by thoughts. And the way we think and what we project comes out and it will come back to us. So if you sit there and you fantasize about doing harm to someone day in and day out, even if you never completely pull that off, that negative energy that you're putting out will come back. Every action, every thought, whether it's it's physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, Every movement that occurs on the earth plane sends out energy and retrieves energy. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So you're producing seeds. You're sending out there what you want to happen for yourself. One of the things we do as people is we get wrapped up in our own lives and we get wrapped up in our own survival. We go into survival mode, especially times like these where the finances maybe are not where they need to be and we're worrying about putting food on the table, getting things accomplished. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? My answer to all things is always faith and love which sounds very foo-foo, and if any if you listen to me for any length of time, you know I'm not a foo-foo person. However, Spirit has always taught me that if I deal with every situation with love in my heart and compassion, which is what Jesus taught us, everything will be okay. I may not get exactly what I asked for, but my prayer will be answered in a befitting way. 
Does this mean that bad things never happen? No. I mean, uh, if you look at my life, I've gone through a lot. Anybody who's been listening any length of time knows that this spring was very, could have been extremely traumatic, but was very life-changing and very life-affirming for me where I took a situation that I could have allowed to really affect my relationship with my child and really affect me emotionally and send me into a depression if I chose to go that, that way. And instead, I used it as a, an inspiration to look at people and look at myself and go through a level of healing that I hadn't experienced before. So you make that choice. You decide. You can go through the most horrific thing in the world, and you can come out of it either as a healer and a compassionate person or as a mean, jaded person or as a broken victim person, but you're making the choice as to which direction you're going to go, and you make that choice as to how you're going to deal with things. It's your choice. This is where free will comes in. We talked about free will quite a bit last week. So there are different types of karma. And the four types of karma are Sanchita karma, which I'm sure I'm destroying that word, uh, which is your total karma or your accumulated action. So if you keep doing the same thing and you keep committing the same thing, it's your total cosmic debt. Um, that you're creating for yourself. Um, So that is something you want to be aware of. Do you want it to be a debt or do you want to be a bonus, you know? There is prahrava karma or fructifying karma. Actions began, set in motion, or arrows in flight. So this type of karma is the type of karma that where things are set in motion, but maybe you're not ready to receive the karmic lesson yet. So it will, this is something that grows. It creates. It's something that you put out, and then it takes a while to come back. It could take a lifetime or it could take years. It depends on on what it is and how fast you grow. So if you work down your karmic debt for a lifetime, you can work down your karmic debt for all your lifetime if you make that decision. So there's, of course, instant karma, which is called kriyamana karma. And we talked about that a little bit. That is where you create something and it immediately, you know, you get a spanking for it right away or you get rewarded for it right away. Um, for instance, uh, going through a financial crisis where I really did not have enough to do what I needed to do, I still made sure I volunteered and I I helped other people, not because I thought I was going to get something out of it, because at that time I was not doing all the different things that I'm doing now. And also I just feel that you should be a good person because you should be a good person and for no other reason. But I helped someone 
And then I turned around, and I was going out to dinner with a friend of mine uh, to the cheapest place we knew, but we liked the food. And as we're walking in, uh, after helping someone else, we see a $20 bill on the ground, which at that particular place, at that particular time, it's probably more than 20 years ago, it bought us a ton of food and allowed us to give a really, really good tip to the waiter. And that's one thing, too, is whenever, um, generally when you go out to eat and someone is serving you, you need to remember that part of what you're paying should be paying for their service. They don't get paid as much. Legally, they don't have to even be paid minimum wage. So you need to remember that. I've always made a habit of giving a good tip when it's earned. Uh, usually at least 20%. So that's just a side note. Uh, the other type of karma is agami karma, which is future karma. So future karma is created because of actions that you're making, uh, that you're doing right now, and you have these seeds, and they're coming to fruition, and then you get your karma in the future. Um, and that could be really strong or it could be something really mild. Basically, the from what I understand, now mind you, I'm not a Buddhist, and this is just based on research that I've done from talking to different people. <clears throat> the level of karma you receive or the action that occurs in response to your thoughts and actions is in direct relation to what you did. So if your intention was really sour, was really mean, then what comes back to you is going to be very harsh. If your intention was kind of neutral, but the outcome was mean, then it's not going to be as harsh. But basically, the whole point is for us to realize that your pain is my pain, and my pain is your pain. That we all need to realize this. Once we come to a level of empathy, where there's no judgment, where we don't judge each other harshly, where we're more supportive of one another. And I'm not saying that certain things aren't bad. There are things that are bad and people need to change their behavior. But we all need to change our behavior so that we work together um, more as, I would say, a family. The families are so dysfunctional nowadays. I don't even want to say that. More as a, as a group so that we support one another. Um, when I worked in management, one of the things I was known for was creating a a space where everyone felt like they were free to be who they were. They were supported. It was always a very positive environment. My workers always wanted to come to work and really enjoyed helping one another. And I had more than one occasion where you know, kids would come in around movie theaters years ago, and kids would come in, and they weren't even on the clock, and they would see that either we were understaffed or somebody was having a problem, and they would just jump to help each other, whether they were getting paid for it or not. That's the way it should be. That's not necessarily the way it always is. I see we have a caller, and their area code is 561, and I'm going to take them now and see what questions they have about karma or what they have to add to the the discussion. Aloha. Hello? Hello. 
Hi, I can barely hear you. Hello. Hi, yeah, I don't think we have a very good connection. Did you want to add to the discussion? Oh, sorry, we lost her. Okay. Now, one of the other things metaphysically um, that we talk about, I know I warn people about, we all know that in the Bible it says that we're not supposed to have um, premarital sex and that type of thing, or sex without love, sex without responsibility. There's a lot of reasons for this. Part of that is that through sexual intercourse, we do transmit karma to one another. So, for example, um, the example that I found online was that uh, a man who's in a good economic situation decides to hook up with a woman who's not in a good economic situation. She's created very bad karma for herself. Um, she creates a lot of bills, doesn't know how to handle her money, and maybe he's okay with handling his money. But once they get together, once they connect, her negative karma mixes with his karma and his economic situation begins to fall and begins to falter. This kind of karma is called karma saya. And um, the other thing that I was taught from when I first started learning metaphysics was that when you have sex with someone, you do take on their karma. And you do, it's almost like a piece of them will be carried with you after that. You know how in those commercials they say, oh, when you sleep with someone, you sleep with their partners and their partners and their partners' partners. It's kind of like that energetically, too. There's, it's more difficult to disentangle from a sexual partner than from any other kind. And even when you're having casual sex, there's, there's still that sense of an energetic exchange just because of the, the physical openness of what is occurring. So be very careful when you're, when you're selecting a partner because you do take on a part of them. I know um, for a long time my, my significant other was very, uh, he was a very depressed person. I am a very happy person. So when we were together, um, it balanced him out more where he felt more stable, but it also depleted me to a certain extent where I was less, I had less energy than my norm. Luckily, I have an overabundant amount of energy generally so that I was more like a normal person. <laughs> where it evened me out, I was more grounded. But um, that really needs to be taken into account because as I move forward, I'm sure I will not get into that type of a, a situation again just because then that um, it pulls from you. So try to be aware of what's going on around you. Try to be aware of the person you are becoming connected to because you do pick up their energetic and they take some of yours. That could be a positive thing. It could be a negative thing. You just need to be aware of it so that you know what's being taken and given. So in the Buddhist tradition, it's called whether you're making a skillful decision or unskillful. A skillful event is one that's not accompanied by craving, resistance, or delusions. 
An unskillful event is one that is accompanied by craving, resistance, or delusions. Events that are not skillful in themselves, but are so-called only in virtue of the mental events that occur with them. So an event itself, like walking down the street, that's not skillful or unskillful. It's what you're thinking as you walk down the street. Why are you walking down the street? What is your motivation? Motivation is very, very um, very intense. It's very important that you know what your motivations are. I always told my stepdaughter, I said, if you don't know why you're doing something, do not do it. Don't do something just because somebody else told you to. There are very few people in a lifetime that you can trust to that extent. For me, the only person that I would do what they told me to without question would be my father. And the reason why I would is because every time he's asked something of me, he always explains himself. He always explains his thinking, and it's always very sound. If he's going to give me an order and just tell me to do it, there's going to be a really good reason why he doesn't have the time to explain himself. So unless you have somebody like that in your life, don't just follow directions for the sake of following directions and just for the sake of making things easy. You should always know why you're doing what you're doing. Something interesting that I found says, uh, being fully ethical is said to be impossible for those who make a distinction between themselves and others, and they show preference for their perceived self over the perceived other. For such perceptions inhibit being fully responsive. Being fully ethical is only possible for those who realize that all people are empty, that is, devoid of personhood. I would change the way that's worded um, just to make it more understandable for people who are not in the Buddhist faith and say that being fully ethical is possible only for those who realize that all people are the same. We're all the same person. We're just reflections of each other and that we all come from the same source. That would be my interpretation. So a lot of people look at, at karma as being something that's inevitable, uh, comes from past life, so there's nothing you can do about it. It's, it's, it's kind of fatalistic, and people treat it as kind of a fate thing. And it really is not. It's not about being resigned and being powerless. The Buddhist notion of karma is focused on the potential of what the mind is doing in every moment. They're just telling you, be aware. Know what you're thinking. How are you feeling as you're thinking these things? What are you thinking and why? What are your motivations? They're asking you to be very aware. Because who you are, what's happening around you, what you're becoming, and what your potential is, all comes through your mind's motivations. You can change things. I don't care how bad you think things are. You can change it. You can change your perspective. I know people who have gone through some really, really horrendous stuff in the last year or so, even throughout their lifetimes. And you meet some people, and if you don't know their story, they seem so happy and content, and they're wonderful people, and you enjoy being around them because their, their energy is just so awesome. And then you find out some of the stuff they've been through, and you're like, whoa, what is that? I can't believe that you've been through all that. How do you go through all that and remain as positive as you are? Well, it's because they have made a choice. They've made a conscious decision 
that they are going to be happy. Happiness is a choice. Misery is a choice. Worrying about money is a choice. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't things that you need to do for your survival. There are. But whether or not you worry about it or you create positive action out of it are two different things. I've heard more people complain about, um, oh, I, <laughs> I have a relative who does this all the time. They always complain that God is not supporting them. Oh, it's not, you know, oh, I, we're always short of money. I never have what I need. I thought God was supposed to provide, blah, blah, blah. And then you, as you talk to this person, he's like, oh, yeah, I got offered to do this catering gig. But I told them they don't have to pay. You know, because I, I know them. I don't want so I'm paying for all the food and it's it's a wedding for two hundred people and you know, I don't know how I'm gonna do this because it's so expensive, but you know, God, they asked me to do it and I can't say no. Um they offered to pay you. Why would you not get paid for a job that you're doing? Oh, and yeah, well this person just wants money to fall from heaven. They get offered jobs and side things all the time, and they're constantly giving things away for free and, and trying to buy people's affections. And instead of accepting the gift that they're being given of work, they poo-poo it. They do the work, but they don't get paid for it because they choose not to get paid for it. That's not God not supporting them. That's them not supporting themselves. So if that sounds familiar, you need to change the way you deal with things. Your time and your talent is worth something. In order for things to have value, there needs to be an energetic exchange. If you do not allow that energetic exchange, you are not only doing yourself a disservice because you're not accepting the gift that God is offering to you or that the universe is offering to you, you are also taking something away from the person that you're supposedly giving something to but not taking anything from energetically because you're not allowing them to do what they were meant to do. You're taking a gift away from them. I had this conversation with my mother a long time ago who feels that it's great for you to do for others, but you shouldn't let anybody do for you. It's the same kind of a thing where um, Christmas gifts always have to cost the same amount of money and um, those types of standards that really are ineffectual. And I, my response to that is, how do you feel when you do something for someone else, when you do something nice? You feel good, right? So there's a positive outcome there. Why are you telling someone else they're not worthy of feeling good? You're basically not allowing them to feel good because you're telling them that, they're not worthy of that. You're not going to give them that because you're not going to accept what they're trying to do for you or their offer of kindness. You're going to say no. That's just selfish. And it doesn't mean that you're beholden to someone if they do something nice to you. Like, that's a big fear. If there's going to be an exchange, you both know what the exchange is. I mean, there are some people that you don't accept gifts from because you know the cost is far greater than what the gift is worth because the person always takes, you know, and they'll lord it over you and hold it over you. But it's your choice whether or not you're going to allow that to happen and whether or not you're going to take it that way. So if you're in a position where 
you're quote unquote suffering or you're in misery, what you need to do is instead of sitting in that emotion, that emotion part of it is created not just by your situation, but by the way you're looking at your situation, by the way you're feeling about your situation, about the way you're talking to yourself about it. Talk positive. And that doesn't mean, okay, if your husband of six years left you for his mistress who you found out he was keeping and uh, who you know is just an evil person and he's becoming an alcoholic and they're doing drugs and you just see this huge decline with someone that you love, it's really difficult to deal with that. It's really difficult to love someone and watch them destroy themselves. That's their choice. Your choice is either you can follow them into the abyss and become depressed and hopeless also because you have that energetic tag or you can cut cords and lift yourself up and become someone new and different and use this as an opportunity to rediscover who you are and what you're meant to do. But that's your choice. It doesn't change the situation. It doesn't change what happened. It changes your part in that scenario. It changes where you're going with it. You don't have to sit in it. You don't have to dwell on it. You don't have to get pulled into it. That's your choice. And I know it's hard, especially when you really love somebody or, you know, you feel you've been betrayed or you've been hurt. Yeah, it's difficult. But you know what? It's not impossible. And it just takes a little bit of work and a lot of tenacity, and a lot of intention. So set your intention. Set your intention to be happy. That's where you need to go. So obviously I was raised in the Christian faith. I am Catholic by uh, nominally. I went through all my sacraments, except for a few, of course. I'm not a nun or a priest, and uh, I obviously haven't gone through last rites yet but I did go through confirmation and baptism and so on. So I do read the Bible and pull a lot from the Bible. I do understand that most Bibles, the translations are politically based and they're kind of tainted. So as I read the Bible, I ask for spirit to guide me to um, the things that are going to help me and the things that are truthful. And I question sometimes when things seem out of sorts, like I believe in a loving God and the things that sound more judgmental seem to be put in there by people who want other people to be judgmental to keep them away from what Christ actually taught, which was compassion. So that being said, there are some quotes in the Bible. There's actually quite a few things in the Bible which seem to be karma-like. They don't use the word karma. Um, and people who espouse Bible quotes and whatnot, who try to make like the teachings of Jesus were so different from the Buddha and everybody else, uh, they will tend to nitpick things and they'll say, well, karma is from past lives. And it's not always from past lives. It's every moment of every day it's created. So they will twist things to make it sound like, well, this is completely, you can't be Christian and believe in these things. And that is completely untrue and deceptive. And those types of deceptions are what create 
the issues that we have in the world today, which Jesus came to try and teach us the opposite of that. He taught us compassion and understanding and accepting one another for where we are, whereas a lot of these, I'll call them Bible thumpers, will teach just the opposite of that. They teach hate and narrow-mindedness and separation, which is exactly the opposite of what Jesus was teaching. So you need to read yourself and take note of which Bible you're reading because there's over 250 different versions of the Bible and they are different enough that if you pull three or four and you look at the way things are written, it will change the meaning. So you have to sit and ask God, Spirit, Jesus, to help you discern, because Jesus taught us about discernment also, what is real that we're supposed to learn from that and what has been added. So I'm getting off my soapbox. Some of the quotes, uh, like Job, as I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. So what you reap, you sow. Um, in Galatians, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. So these are like concepts. What I found interesting was in John 9, um, the, the disciples asked Jesus, when they came across a blind man, who sinned? Was it the man or his parents that sinned that, that made this man go blind? And Jesus answered, it wasn't that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So Jesus was saying there's more than one reason. It's not necessarily if someone comes under hardship, it's not necessarily because they did something bad. It could be in order to create something good. In the worst of times is when the best of us shine. When tragedies happen, that's when heroes are made. If there are no negative actions and nothing negative happens, then there's no chance to find goodness in things. So that's something we really need to remember. It's not everything that we consider negative or bad is there because of, of a reaction of something that we did. It could be there to give us something to push up against in order to make our character stronger, in order to, as a test, as a temptation, to show us how strong and how good we can be, what we are capable of. There are six minutes you're into the show. And um, there's just something I, I'd like you guys to know. It was really funny because preparing for the show today, I I got very strongly almost a week ago that it was supposed to be on Karma this week. So I did a little bit of research, um, as I often do, and I put it on my laptop and everything and uh, talked to my friends about it and did different things to prepare. Then last night I get home. It's almost 1 o'clock in the morning. And my computer won't work. So all my notes are gone. Uh, my Skype's not on there. I don't know how I'm going to get on today. I don't know how this is going to work. So my friend lent me her computer, which we set up last night, so that I can get on the air today. Then what happened was I get up this morning. My friend's still asleep. I go to the computer, and the Internet is offline. It just it won't work. It just is completely offline. So we figure that out. We get it back online. 
Now we're about a half an hour before the show. So then I go to the Skype and I try to get Skype. Then my Skype's not working. It's like, what is going on? So we had to overcome quite a few obstacles to get on the air today. Apparently, whatever the message, whatever you're getting out today is really important. Just be aware that it took some tenacity for us to get on the air and for you to hear this message. For whatever reason, I needed to be more tenacious this week than generally. So there's something that you need to realize from this. And I hope that everyone realizes that to be compassionate is not to be weak. To be compassionate and to put ourselves in other people's shoes, that creates the unity that we're looking for in the world. That creates the goodness, the wholeness in the world. So with that being said, when we talk about the last judgment or our judgment, when we talk about death and when we die, that we're going to have a life review. And this is not just a new age kind of a concept. This is in a lot of different religions and in the Christian religion itself. When you go, you need to give yourself a life review, okay? You need to look at your life and really consider, really sit with it. Are there people that you have wronged? Are there decisions that you've made that have caused pain for others intentionally? And if it was unintentional, did you make amends? Look at your life. Your homework for this week is to do your own life review. If you meditate, it's a good idea to meditate and ask that spirit, that God, that your guardian angel, whoever you want to call upon, shows you where you need improvement and shows you who you need to make amends to. This week, every action you take, every thought in your head, let it be a positive one and one that is loving and compassionate. Be very conscious. Be very aware of the way you're thinking. There are times, there are moments in our lives where things happen, people are really mean to us, or just horrible things have occurred, and we don't understand why. There is a reason for everything, and we may never know why. We may never see the bigger picture because it's like a tapestry that is as big as the world, and you're one little thread in there, and you're right up on top of it. So, of course, you're not going to see the whole picture and what everything means, but everything is connected to one another. The butterfly effect, as they say. So go out in the world and create a happy virus, a joyous virus, a virus of compassion and love. And whenever you make your decisions, try to put yourself in everybody else's shoes that's involved and see if what you're doing is coming from the right place, a place of love and compassion, like so many of the masters have taught, like the Buddha taught, Jesus thought, be a real, a true believer in love and light. Whether you believe in Jesus the Christ, 
or you believe in Buddha, or you believe in Muhammad, or you just believe in God. Act like it. Make every decision this week with love in your heart, and you won't go wrong. This is Hawaii Psychic, Geraldine St. Joseph, on Spiritual Journey, coming to you live from Overland Park, Kansas. I hope that this helped. If you need to contact me or you'd like a personal reading, please contact me at Geraldyn, G-E-R-A-L-Y-N, at voiceofspirit.com. See my website, psychicinhawaii.com and voiceofspirit.com for more information. Do your homework this week. It's really important. Things have got to change, and we want them to change for the better. Blessings. And remember to spread blessings to everyone around you. Be a blessing. Smile. Spread joy. And always walk with love and happiness in your heart. Mahalo and aloha.